Forgotten Ball Show, episode 40, code opening, and it is cold as it is in No Man's Sky because nobody is here listening to the show, just like nobody's playing Cold Man's Sky. Yeah, because it's pretty cold in space, just like this when you're trying to sell a game that nobody fucking wants. Well, look, he made a bunch of promises, and did he, he live up to it? <laughs> yeah, he kept them. <laughs> Captain to himself a promise, apparently. Uh, Scott and Paul's show, episode 40. We keep our promises because we, we promise nothing. Paul Show, episode 40. Scott. Well, it's not in our notes, but let's just go ahead and talk about it. Uh, so, No Man's Sky, people are pissed. Yeah, there's some people upset, you know, that it's not like a multiplayer deathmatch, massively multiplayer online arena game. Something he never um, yeah, he never said that. He, t- he promised he everything. The odds. Else, but he didn't promise. He gave, he gave us the odds of running into somebody else, and they were drastically not running into somebody else, even seeing their ghost, yeah. um, as being extremely unlikely. You got better so, winning the lottery than you have of running into another player. Yep, um, and that that's interesting. the The thing about No Man's Sky. And I have not played it. I'm just going to comment on a microcosm of what I've observed. In the trading community, you know, some of the people that I chat with on various websites, they're, they're shocked that the game isn't what it was, what they thought it was going to be. And they are dumping this game at, like, serious discounts. Like, already I've seen several copies on a trading site for $40 shipped. And I was like, holy shit, that game just came out. Um, saw 48 the first day or two because that matches the Best Buy discount, Amazon discount. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, this, there's people unloading this game quick. And I think it's I think it's probably a lot to do with the getting lost in, in, in the immersion and how you can spend your entire game career probably on, like, one planet. I mean, I'm... I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but I wouldn't be surprised. At least one solar system, you could spend some time. One of the guys I was talking to has been five days on one planet, just kind of checking things out. So, uh, yeah, the game, I mean, he says it's really good. He said it's just not the kind of game that's going to attract a huge, wide audience. That's going to sustain it, in his opinion. So I watched some gameplay footage of it, and within the first 15 minutes of this skipping around through the video, I decided, you know what? I'm going to buy Batman from Telltale. It's $25 for all five episodes. So I was quite happy with that purchase. So 
Yeah, not not getting that game. I will probably I will purchase No Man's Sky. The, the space combat has got me interested. Um, that space kind of combat, game really appeals. Space to combat me. with bots because it will not be humans, right? Right, but I can't even get that with freaking. You know who's releasing games like that? You got what Elite well, Dangerous or something similar, right? Yeah, Battlefront, and it's definitely oddball control scheme and decisions for their their starfighter combat. Not that it's terrible; it's just extremely arcadey. Um, but yeah, I mean that game, that type of game appeals to me. I remember um, just exploring like Star Wars Galaxies back in '03, just just wondering because it was so huge. Uh, this game definitely is something that's up my alley. But with what I'm doing with college right now and 16 hours of school, I don't think it's something we'll pick up today. And that's the only reason I haven't bought a copy yet. So, well, one um, thing you're definitely not going to pick up is Final Fantasy 15 because that fucker's been delayed again. Yeah, I haven't played a Final Fantasy since 10. And I got to like the beach and the blitz ball, and I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I don't care how good the combat system is. This is, ugh. That's why there's times that the aesthetic can really run a game for you. And listen, it was just, it was too much. It was too bubbly, too, ugh. Couldn't hack it. I might have missed out on a great game, but I don't really care. Yeah, Final Fantasy 15 was originally supposed to come out September 30th, just a few days from now. And it has been delayed till November 29th. It was changed to make the best possible game. Blah, blah, blah. But one of the uh, main reasons why it has been delayed is due to the fact that they wanted to get their entire day one patch onto the disc. So you don't have to... So they can press everything onto the disc. So you don't have to buy the disc and then do a download. So, well, I mean, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's, that's whole, a good way to do it. That's, that's definitely a step better than downloading it, especially with me. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, try, they're looking out uh, for people like Scott. Yeah, yeah. Even the kids were home, man, and it was like instantly, man. They did some streaming a few nights, and it just murdered our – Manned with, but anyways, um, Final Fantasy. I did dabble in one of them. I'm trying to think which one it was. It was after that. Was it Final Fantasy Online? No, I think so. That was a PS2 one, wasn't it? Where you had to have the hard drive. Yeah, that was the yeah. only game for PlayStation 2 that had a hard drive. Yeah, so I dabbled in that, but I didn't really mess with it. Uh, the last one I spent serious time on, I played eight and nine. But I never finished them. I never finished seven, actually. Uh, I did just get a copy of that in this week. I have got um, real close to finishing eight, but then I fucked up. So I was yeah. like, I'm not going back to finish yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, Final Fantasy VII's on my list, but basically it's scheduled out till January before I can really jump into that one. Why don't you just eight wait hours of on Final Fantasy VII until the remaster comes out? Well, I, well, do, want the play, I do want to play the remaster. When is the remaster coming out? They haven't announced it yet. Okay, so if I can get through Final Fantasy VII Original, which I've probably played through half of it back in the day. I never owned a PlayStation 1 when I was a kid, and I never had Final Fantasy VII, so I had to go play it at Daniel's house. And 
I mean, I would play it, but when I was over there, we were trying to watch him finish it. So I might play for an hour, and then he'd play for like nine. <laughs> and then the then the sun would rise, and we'd pass out and get back up about eight and play some more. But yeah, um, it was a great game. It's just I haven't. I, I I need to finish it. I want to finish the PS One version. Maybe go play it on a PS One. Mm-hmm. So I've got a PS One that I got in the box from a um, yard sale years ago. And the guy said they bought it and pretty much hooked it up and might have put three or four hours into it back when it first came out. It was the Dual Shock edition, actually. It's not when it first came out. No. And uh, the. Um, I had that one. I can't remember what game he said he even had for it. He said he lost the game. He said, We just never played a lot of games and we just bought one because of the hype and it ended up just collecting fucking dust. He said, Literally, if it's got five hours of game time on it, I'll kiss your butt. And I was like, Yeah. What do you want for? It's like five dollars. I'm just trying to get rid of it. I was like, it's sold. So yeah, I mean, you can't hardly. I mean, I I overpaid for a PlayStation One. <laughs> They're everywhere. But you know, I'm gonna play on original hardware with the original control, and uh, knock that one out. So, and then I'll be able to buzz through the remaster <laughs> as much as you can buzz through one of those. Well. <sighs> As far as I know, they're still doing the remaster on Episodic. I think they're still making it Episodic, so that's going to take us a while to get through it. Damn. How the hell is that going to work? I think they're going to split it up over five or six months is the plan. That game takes a little while to beat. I'm just saying. (laughs) That's not something you sit down and beat in an afternoon. It's hey, last I heard, this is going to be an episodic game. Huh? That's odd. I mean, you can you can beat a Telltale game in what two hours, seven or eight hours, two and a half hours. Yeah. Well, isn't each episode about two hours? Well, I'm I'm guessing they're figured by the time you get through the first month, you'll be ready for the second part. I guess they're counting on. I I always see it from the perspective of a working. Uh, a guy that has a career in college and kids <laughs> and coaching two football teams. I'm just but, like, I don't see how there's going to be time, but I guess, you know, teenagers or, you know, um, people that just have freer schedules, you know, maybe they, they just have their nine to five and they don't have a whole lot of other things. They will be able to burn through it. Or, or if you look at people like say me, I work 10 hours a day, but on the other hand, I don't watch anything else. I don't have anything else. No kids, no wife, nobody else. You're on midnights even. So like even us hanging out. Yeah, we don't even hang out hardly because of that. And I don't watch any, especially during the summer, I don't watch anything else. That's it. So my free time would be playing video games. So, but. Yeah, that's, that's what I reserve my free time for usually. I mean, free time from, let me call it me time. Like I can sit down and watch an episode of a show or I can play 30 or 40 minutes or an hour of a retro game or something. So that's what I end up doing. It's just the last uh, month has been nothing but like G1 and WWE. <laughs> that's, that's just, God, this month's been rough. It's not a bad thing. No. Sorry. First world problems, dude. First world problems. Yeah. Uh, more problems is the... Uh, we don't know still what Nintendo's going to do with the Tegra. So we have another Tegra rumor, possibly. 
this is this is rumor central. <laughs> We're not planning on going into like huge detail on it, but just just to list a couple, we have the Tiger X2 rumor, all right, which followed the rumor reported the Nvidia Shield Tablet 2 was dropped due to NX. So that one might have the slightest hair of possibility to it, but I'm still not looking forward to it. Uh, another rumor is that Kingdom Hearts 3 will be a launch title on NX. And then another rumor, which I don't have listed in our document, which I just looked at, um, is that the Nintendo NX may have, which this one's kind of older, but it resurfaced again uh, on Eurogamer, um, that the NX may have removable buttons and uh, directional pads. Huh? I don't see how that works. Yeah, like you can reconfigure your control. Let me uh, let me link it to you here, but um, yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how good an idea that is for an adult gamer, maybe, but for people with kids, it's buying this thing. Dang, Gina, that's just asking for stuff to be lost. There's a diagram. I don't even. I you know, it's just something to remember. Take it with a grain of salt. Customizable button layouts, removable analog sticks, and D-pads. Oh, my God. I'm not saying it wouldn't work. That third slide's really neat. Check that third and fourth slide out. Oh, well, now I'm intrigued. <laughs> but me, see, I'm open to all control styles. You're the, you'll, you'll be like, oh, I hate this. <laughs> Button's in a different spot. That's because I play 15 different systems in a month's time. Um, I don't know. I just see that as being something expensive to lose. Um. Where's the, you know, where's the gameplay benefit to that? Again, that's just rumor. More NX rumors. One NX rumor is confirmed is that the next Dragon Quest will be on the NX. That was a big rumor last week, and it's been confirmed in the last couple of days. So that's great. Um, gosh, I play Dragon Quest. They're good games. Um, they're really fun. I love the aesthetic. I love the. I just I like Dragon Quest. More games that I play and put twenty or thirty hours into and never finish. Also reported that the console will have some kind of augmented reality feature. There's another rumor. Nobody knows what the fuck. But you please, Nintendo, just say some shit. Just fucking say something. It's got me all titillated. Like I, I have no, I have no doubts. I'm probably gonna be disappointed. I'm pretty sure they're going to do something stupid. But yeah. I've questioned the value of waiting so long. But again, I'm not running a multi-billion-dollar, multi-million-dollar corporation. But from my narrow perspective, it's really making me want to see this thing. <laughs> so, because, you know, there's just so many different rumors flying around. So. The latest prediction puts it in September that they're going to make it some type of announcement. Yeah. Something. Um, what was that one? Anyways. Yeah. There's Eurogamer. Yeah. Eurogamer. Well, express wherever this is. Yeah, possibly September. Maybe they'll try to steal some of PS4 Neo's thunder. I don't know. But uh, I, w I wish they had something concrete again. 
because I'm just I'm really starting to wonder. But that's just a, a, a roundup of some some of the current rumors, and there's a bunch more. I mean, you know, there's the cartridge rumor and all that stuff, which we talked about previously. I don't think they're going to announce anything till January. Oh my god, what makes you think that? It's fucking Nintendo. That's what makes me think that. Jesus, your logic is so sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that hurts, man. If I have to wait till January to find out, I mean, it's already bad enough. I got to wait till March to buy the damn thing. I, of course, somebody, they may make an announcement, and I'll be like, "Screw this! I ain't buying it." Somebody said, "Was it?" An, I think it was the actual quote. Nintendo said that they don't want anybody to s- steal their ideas, which is why they're remaining silent about it. I have, I have heard that um, in I the past. That's been months past. That was, it was like his past spring, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, that was this past spring, and that was a really interesting concept. And then there was the oh Jesus, I said we weren't going to spend a whole bunch of time on this. Anyways, it, the other thing was there was the um, the rumor from a guy. Uh, it's one of the YouTube channels. It's one of the bigger ones too. He used to work at Nintendo, and he doesn't work at Nintendo anymore. And he said, I'm not going to reveal my sources. He said, but one thing that I've really noticed, I really wish I could source this guy for everybody, um, or credit him too. But he said that one of the things he's noticed is that all of his friends that he speaks with that still work at Nintendo, they won't come off of anything. He said, but this is the first time since before the or the Wii U launched that they have appeared excited. And they're all saying people are going to be ecstatic or excited or amazed at this concept. So I just, I'm, I'm, it just makes, it just keeps, keeps adding fuel to the fire. I'm just like, what are they doing? I mean, I've got two boxes that do what I expect out of traditional games. So I'm, I'm totally for Nintendo doing something different. If it's something I can wrap my head around, but I still think they ought to be able to have widespread support for basic control. (laughs) But I'm, I'm just, what is the concept? I mean, Game & Go isn't really a new concept, maybe with this much power, but I don't know. If I can play, play an Xbox One powered game wherever I go, I'm fine with that. Yeah. or Honestly, okay, they're not going to get third-party support like this, but for me personally... If they were able to, at profit, make a system that had Wii U level power, I would be okay with that. I wouldn't be as ecstatic as the higher powered system where they're going to get more support from third parties, though. But I don't see that making great business sense. But they have to go Xbox One power. They have to get there. They have to get to where the third parties will develop for them. And here's the thing. I wonder how pissed off some of the smaller developers are because where now you're making all of your 3DS titles are now all in one ecosystem, right? Right. Well, now you're not developing titles that are smaller resolution. Now all of your games have to be 1080p. Exactly. Or they at least, they, they at least have to be upscalable maybe not the ones that maybe the newer ones that maybe haven't released anything from nintendo yet 
But I would think this Nintendo, one of the best things and biggest pushes they made in with the Wii U was because of their software droughts, they really backed the independent developers big time. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm trying to think back to something from several years ago, it used to be almost prohibitively expensive to be an independent developer for WiiWare or the Wii or whatever. But for the Wii U, they drastically reduced that expense or practically I don't I don't know. It was a very it was a very low overhead versus what it was before, if I'm not mistaken. This is again, this is me pulling something from memory a couple years old. So I would say that they gave a lot of opportunity to a lot of independent developers. So maybe some of those guys that's been able to establish themselves get a little more resources behind and probably won't be so pissed. But those that those that are trying to break in might be like, damn, you know, there goes five or Ten million potential customers, because yeah. this is prohibitively expensive. But Sorry. Nintendo also would not allow anybody who did not work from a studio to develop for them. Like, say, you and I were developers. Unless we had a studio, you could not develop for Nintendo. Well, actually, they did have a big stink with that with the Wii U. Yeah, because you your your studio could not be your home. You had to have a studio office. So unless they've changed their stance, I believe there was a game called The Letter that was an adventure mystery video game. No, he's got a studio, Treefall Studios. So they need to change that shit. They need to change their old old world thinking and go to be like more western developers especially now since you're fucking your guys and everybody has to develop for everything has to be 1080p because everything has to be at least be upscaled to to 1080p okay so treefall studios did release a letter i thought that it was a single guy that coded that game in the whole nine yards but i guess i was incorrect it just was like one of the worst games ever made. Dude. I'm sure there's a lot. I mean, look, God, look at all the fucking shuffleware they had out on the Wii U. I mean, the Wii. Oh, Wii U probably had a lot of shit too, but on the Wii. Oh, I yeah. Let's turn into the fucking Nintendo show. We need to move this ahead. It's a fucking NX, man. See what they're doing? It's yeah. genius. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, what story do you want to do next? Um, Nintendo. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Do we want to finish this Nintendo news? Greenberg says he thinks this is the last gen for Xbox as we know it. Not necessarily a bad thing, as I first saw it. I thought he meant they just weren't going to produce any more consoles. Technically, they won't, but they're already PCs in a box as it is. Um, He's pretty much going by what I was, what what we've been thinking. Of. Well, they talked about this before. Yeah, the, it's the ecosystem, like Apple. Um, when asked, this is quoting Techno Buffalo. Yeah. When asked directly if this is the last console generation by Engadget, here's how Greenberg responded in full. I think it is for us. We think the future is without console generations. We think that the ability to build a library, a community, to be able to iterate with the hardware, we're making a pretty big bet on that with Project Scorpio. 
we were basically saying this isn't a new generation. Everything you have continues or continues forward and it works. We think of this as a family of devices. The continue forwards thing is something to remember too uh, after I read this. Uh, but we'll see. We're going to learn from this. We're going to see how that goes. So far, I'd say based on the reaction, there appears to be a lot of demand and interest around Project Scorpio. And we think it's going to be a pretty big success at the game's and content deliver, which I think they will do, I think it will change the way we think about the future of console gaming. Um, there was a lot of backlash about backwards compatibility. There was a PS4, and one of the negative things about PS4 when it was announced was its backwards compatibility. One of the negative things that was piled on with everything else Xbox One announced was backwards compatibility. And... Uh, They've noticed that there's a push for that. They ha There has to be people working at Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo saying, man, look at the retro game scene. Look at the eBay prices on this stuff. GameStop, I mean, they started offering retro games. So if they can say, well, this is our Xbox and this is our selling point, and here we have this fantastic library of games, which, you know, the Wii and the Wii U had the eShop games, uh, the Virtual Console, which were pretty popular. You know, they they have to be looking at that, thinking, what can we do? I mean, you had Project Replay uh, or Rare Replay, uh, things like that. So, you know, not, I see them. I'm not saying this is the cornerstone, but it's something that they can sell to the masses and say, "Hey, look at this awesome feature! You buy a game." for this ecosystem and you will always be able to play it no matter what. I think that's what he's leading towards, which is cool. You know, I, you know maybe I don't have to rebuy stuff. Yeah. A lot of cloud gaming and you also are going to have, uh, probably everything's going to be a steam machine. Basically. That's the yeah, steam machines. The way, to look I, at it. I think you're going to have uh, like we were talking about the the uh, Project Scorpio is probably going to be an upgradable console. That's exactly what it's going to be. Project Project Fuck. PlayStation 4 Neo could possibly be announced September 7th. We already know that the PlayStation 4 Slim has been leaked. Somebody actually got their hands on one. And we know it's real because the guy who uploaded the videos had that shit pulled down by Sony. Well, if it's a fake, why would Sony have it pulled? Good move, Sony. You ever hear of the fucking Barbara Streisand effect? Yeah. Yeah, they pretty much confirmed it at that point. Yeah. So, um, September 7th should be a fun day. At the, what's the event called? The, um... PlayStation meeting? PlayStation meeting. So. It's interesting. You got the Scorpio, you have the Neo, and they say, well, all the games will still work on the old PS4, Xbox One, etc. And then you see that comment about, like in the previous story. Uh, yeah, they're really, they're really going to move towards that so that you can have those games that take advantage, full advantage of the system. I, at this point, I think I'd rather have a Scorpio than a Neo. But one thing's for sure that we do know for a fact, you're going to be paying 60 bucks 
for PlayStation Plus. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. PlayStation is saying it's the uh, market is why you have to play more money. Lately, Scott, have you been happy with your PlayStation Plus games? No, and frankly, my PlayStation 4, which I think it's a great system and all, but I have three, four, five, six, ten physical games for it, some that I bought secondhand, and I have uh, my PlayStation Plus games, clearly, but the last time I played it, was this week, but that was the first time in a month I had powered it on for me. Yeah. Uh, and that was just because somebody asked me about my build on Diablo 3, and I had to look it up by turning my system on. Yeah. It's basically, uh, I, I use it for Voodoo and Netflix is really what I use it for. Let me rephrase that. Yeah, it's a $400 Voodoo and Netflix machine. Um, I, that's not entirely accurate. I mean, it's just I'm spread out. If I was a one or two console gamer, yeah, but no, Play, PlayStation Plus, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of shit on there I haven't beat yet, so I mean, there's that, but, you know, it's like, I'm not really gaming online, maybe I should just cancel it and just keep an eye on the, what's available, so I'm thinking uh, about canceling it. Then you can't play games online? Glad don't don't play their games online. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, I play games online, but I mean, well, one day we'll Rocket League play. fizzled out. One know, day we we'll play Broken again. Yeah, I mean, it's just. But we can always play it on Steam. That's the thing. It's just the life of a busy parent. You can't just sit and just commit to one thing for months at a time. Yeah, I would like to play some Rocket League again. So maybe I will leave my subscription active. Well, we need to make time for that. Yeah. Um, speaking of, let's just go ahead and ask. Did you uh, play your um, fuck is it WWE 2K16? No, I didn't download it because of the fucking bandwidth. It's 50 gigabytes. You have to come to my house and download it. Yeah, I'm not bitching that that's the game they made available. I'm just hate that it's freaking. It would cost me ten dollars to download that game if I downloaded it before. Uh, the 27th. <laughs> well, at least... Uh, I'm not doing that. At least buy it and then don't download it. Yeah, I can go buy it. I'm sure I can buy it at freaking GameStop for close to that price. No, I meant buy it on your Games for Gold and then don't die, download it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've already checked it. I've done that. There you go. You just yeah, have to it's... go to my house now. That sucks. You have to go to a friend's house. I have to drive an hour to... Uh, download the game. To not, to not get into the corporate... Once a month, Scott has to come to my house to download games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Resident Evil 7 gameplay trailer came out. Um, it's not really different from the demo. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's it's, it's very similar. So, is this game have? Does this game have combat? If if I'm not mistaken, it does not have combat, right? No. You're just walking around, so this game's going to suck. Did you say the price for the PS4 subscription in the last bit? Yeah, sixty dollars. Okay, yeah, so went up ten bucks. Three month is twenty four ninety nine, and one month is staying at nine ninety nine. It's funny how it's always a ten dollar increase because of the market. It's, you mean it's not like it can't be fifty four ninety nine? 
Yes. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Resident Evil. Uh, TV news, Amazon and Jack Ryan get screenlit. So, uh, nearly a year after Jack Ryan drama was put in development, Amazon is moving forward with the show. And the office says, John Kraziak, where the fuck you pronounce his name, is playing Jack Ryan. Have no idea when the show is actually being put on, but we are getting um, Jack Ryan. Well, there's some good movies. And one bad movie. That was, what, Some of All Fears? Ben Affleck. Batman. Batfleck. And Batfleck we trust, but sometimes he fucks up. <laughs> Kills a lot of people sometimes. Yeah. Well, so did Tim Burton's Batman, but... Yeah. Tim Burton doesn't know anything about Batman. Uh, Netflix may have fucked up and revealed that The Punisher is coming out in 2017. Uh, Good. Yep. That is one of my favorite characters ever. Because uh, guns. <laughs> yeah. A couple of weeks ago, well, basically a user on Reddit captured a fuck up on a Netflix app. And it popped up. They screen captured it. So that's basically the news story. If that's legit, then well, that's pretty much confirmed. So in 2017, it looks like you would get Iron Fist, the Defenders, and the Punisher. I'm excited. Right. Yeah. Frank um, Castle. Going to shoot some bitches. And movie news. I can't remember if it was on this show or after the show that we were talking about Conan. Was it on the show we were talking about it? I don't know. We've talked about Conan many times. He kind of runs together. Such a yeah. great movie. Uh, anyway, the... Um, the first one. Legend of Conan. Well, the second one has some good stuff in it. Oh, it's 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 a guilty pleasure. I love it, but pales in comparison to the first. Yeah. The Legend of Conan, which remains in active development, uh, Will Beale, uh, he's the writer of Aquaman, is working with Chris Morgan on the screenplay for the movie. Uh, I don't remember where this interview came from anyway he said quote Chris and I are continuing to hone the script I think it's going to make a great movie actually Bill said the movie starts where the 1982 Conan the Barbarian ended with Conan sitting on his throne hand on chin it's a good quote, sign quote it opens with this hand on chin it's where you have to it's the sequel that we were promised but never got um, let's see. Interesting. It comes back to the director, John Millis, right? There's nobody better, and it's a real movie. It's a truthful movie. Chris and I, from the very beginning, said there's no reason to do it unless it's a worthy sequel to Millis's Conan, and I think we've got to. I really do. And speaking on Aquaman, he said they're still working on the Aquaman script, but it has nothing to do with the Justice League movie. The first time I saw Conan the Barbarian, I was... In the first grade. <laughs> you know why? Because my mom was awesome. 
I think I was in <laughs> second. You've been in the second grade. Second. You'd been a year older. Well, I mean, I don't know when you saw it, but um, I remember they did this stupid school interview thing, and they were like, "What's your favorite movie?" I was like, "Conan and the Barbarian," and they were horrified <laughs> that that was my favorite movie when I was seven years old. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't sleep right for like four years because my mom introduced me to aliens when I was five or six. So I think I was six. Um, like you have those moments in your life you never forget, you know, first kiss, first lay, all that stuff. That's being six years old, being exposed to that movie at that time when, when we're not exposed to so much imagery like we are today with CGI and stuff. That cemented itself in my psyche forever. <laughs> It's like Jaws, same thing. Kids watch Jaws today that, you know, if they're 10 years old and they've already seen all this stuff, it doesn't phase them the same way. They may grow older and appreciate the quality of the film in the end, but to have it imprint itself like it did on the people like us when we didn't have all this imagery, that's that's something else. Conan imprinted itself on me. Uh, I forgot who's actually doing the It new it film but they released the full body shot for pennywise the clown looks like shit looks like shit um looks like typical i mean entertainment weekly uh, very rarely impresses me with their photos of the stuff that they do and this is definitely reeking of their style um he looks fucking terrible uh, he is just atrocious looking. It's his head. I don't care about the unit. The costume is fine, whatever. But the head is driving me up the wall. He looks terrible. And of course, he's got like a crow face paint on. Yeah, so. horrible. Um, he's got the big, huge, receding hairline. It just looks stupid. Yeah, it's bad. It's all bad. It's it's insanely bad. One of the things about Stephen King's It, the original, one of the reasons that Pennywise was so freaking creepy was because until the fangs come out, that looks like a damn clown you would see on the street or at a party. You know, it's it's grounded in that bit of reality. This is over-stylized. We want to be cool and edgy and stand here with our sinister stare and it's just fucking trash. That's my opinion. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they have put it back up or not, but Godzilla Shin had a third trailer out. But they pulled it. Don't know why. And probably, probably the penis head on the end of the tail. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want. They don't want a Ghostbusters moment where they get like four hundred thousand likes per mi- or dislikes per minute. Yeah, but uh, boy, this uh, it's just not looking good, guys. <laughs> Godzilla, it. I'm just. You know what? Fuck. It. I thought America fucked up. <laughs> this looks. Yeah. Bad. This is bad. But did you get to see any of the reaction trailers where you actually can see the entire trailer for the movie? No, I I did not. Okay. Well how did that go? Uh, uh well, 
the movie itself did not look too bad, but if you look at the um, the creature designs, if they actually went all the way with this, like we've seen, where Godzilla morphs into this weird-ass fucking thing, <laughs> holy shit, this is going to be bad. Yeah. It looks like a penis with teeth. <laughs> There's subtle references to the human genitalia in the Alien series. In this, you have a big, slimy penis with teeth. <laughs> so, ugh. If this yeah, is what they actually did with Godzilla... Stick uh, a fork in the series. I yeah. give up. I give up. Yeah, it's already out in Japan. So, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, We may have gotten our first look at Superman's black suit. That's what this is. Uh, basically, uh, Henry Cavill posts a close-up shot the studio gave them for some viral shit. And he put a hashtag Superman on it. So, Scott, is this a shield? Is this a shoot? Shoot? Whatever the fuck this is. What is this, Scott? What am I looking at? I think it's the, I think it's the, the S. So, are we having a um, injustice? Is this multiple Superman? Is he going to come back in black? Hit the sack? I don't think they're going to do the multiple Superman thing. I think they're going to go the Injustice route. So he's coming back in black. Yeah. They, they're going to be inspired by... Um, if this is the S, it looks like the design's changed a little bit. But again, we're not seeing the whole picture either. And it's not silver. Will we see him in Justice League at the end? I think we'll see him in Justice League before the first third of the movie's over. Mm. They're just not smart enough to write it any other way. Um I don't I don't believe there's gonna be the multiple Supermans. I think it'd be cool if they picked up like Eradicator and Cyborg Superman and went that route and just shocked everybody, but yeah. they're setting up for Justice League to fight Darkseid and to fight uh, Evil Superman, I think. Which, if they go Evil Superman, hell yeah. yeah. Some balls, guys. Good job. Um, as long as it's not our Superman. As long as it's this other dimensional Superman that yeah. punches someone's guts out. I'm fine with it. So, Yeah, I... I I really hope that's the route they go. I think Injustice is a really good story. Well, so. if all along we've had the evil Superman, that's why he's been such a prick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that uh, somehow during the battle with, uh, in the intervening moments before he actually battled Zod, that was the other dimensional Superman, and the real Superman's been trapped in the Phantom Zone the entire time. Yes. That would be pretty cool. That'd be your way of absolving him of the citywide destruction of being a complete 
douche. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's why it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Will you ever see a Fallout movie? Uh, Pete Hines, uh, while talking to the vice president of Bethesda Softworks. Well, well, Pete Hines, the vice president of Bethesda Softworks, was, was being interviewed by Chris Stein of Finder.com on how making video games into movie. Quote, we get asked to all the time, but the short version is this. We make games. That's what we're known for. And this conversation usually falls in the camp of, are we going to let some other person do their own interpretation of what Fallout is, or Elder Scrolls is, or Dishonored is? Or are we going to hold on to it and let the developers be the only ones that are able to say, this is what Fallout is, or Elder Scrolls, or Wolfenstein, or whatever. So we want our developers to decide what our franchises are about, or not a movie director, or a producer, or a studio. Even when they say, oh, no, you will have total control. Well, I don't know anybody who actually has total control over the film adaptation of their video game. If you did, why don't you just make the movie yourself? Of course, the studio or the screenwriter or the director will have a ton of say. They will have their own vision. So we get asked all the time, but we see that as a distraction. We're a video game company. Let's do what we know. I think if you slapped the fallout... On a freaking film, you'd probably have something. At well, least the first weekend's box office you would have. After that, <laughs> and Warcraft doesn't count. They missed their mark by 10 years. <laughs> well, he did go on and say, so there's, I think the next question was, so there's no, nothing you could ever, no, no way could, there's no way you, could, you would ever make a movie or something like that. And he said, well, if, Peter Jackson walked in there and said that they wanted to talk, then I think you would have to listen. <laughs> I think he, he did say something like that. He did? Because that's really funny because he talks about the, that, the, the director having their own vision and do you want to let us say what it is or let them say what it is? Peter Jackson fucking – I mean, I like the movies. Don't get me wrong. But as far as following the source material, he really gutted, especially The Hobbit. But he – he gutted those movies. So there it is. So it would have to take a Todd Howard to come out and say, I'm going to make this film myself. And he said, I think if Peter Jackson turned up at Todd Howard's office and said, I want to do an Elder Scrolls, well, that would be a pretty serious conversation you would have to listen to. Well, on the other hand, them doing Elder Scrolls isn't the same as adapting Tolkien. So that criticism I have of the adaptations of the Tolkien stuff really to me, falls a little bit flat in that respect. You're talking about Elder Scrolls. You're not talking about classic literature that's got, you know, how many, would that come out in like the 40s or something, the 50s, that has all this history behind it? Yeah. The 30s? I mean, those, those are older books. But, yeah, I mean, not that Elder Scrolls doesn't have its own history, but it's not Lord of the Rings level. Mm. All right. I, I would Dishonored I could give a shit less about but Fallout Elder Scrolls Wolfenstein yes please but again good writer good script good director and an appropriate budget so you want Paul Anderson to write a Zack Snyder film of, of Fallout yeah and I want Danny Elfman to fucking write the score so. <laughs> oh, you don't want Hans Zimmer or him yeah one of the two 
Oh, well, I guess we should go ahead and add. Uh... I think if they could sell the rights to Wolfenstein, they should. I mean, that, that that's a game that doesn't have an idea. I, I take it back. I'm sorry. I have to correct myself. Bethesda's only had Wolfenstein for a couple of years. They didn't. I'm thinking of the old ID games or id and the raven software game i was gonna i was just getting ready to say that's that's a game that has an ever-changing identity but from bethesda's point of view they've only had that title for a little while so we'll see what they're gonna do with it john williams is doing um episode eight cool cool i thought by now he'd be retiring but no he's he's doing it i think he's gonna compose until he falls over so Okay. Bless his soul. We are not going to do NWA because we're trying to do the G1. We were going to do G1 last week, but we uh, uh, we had a, a fiasco. Yeah, we, we had issues. Okay, so last three nights at the G1, and we're going to do a little bit of Russell Fest, or where the fuck was going on. Okay, so first night from August 12th, the finals of Block A was Okada versus Tanahashi. Uh, the gimmick here was if these two fuckers went to a draw, then. Goto was going to go to the finals. Well, they went to a fucking 30-minute draw. Scott, this was the first time you've seen Okada versus Tanahashi. How did you feel about this match? Did you think it was going to go to a draw? The... The big thing, yeah, I was kind of shocked with the draw, but the thing that really got me in this match is I was sitting in the setting up in the bed watching it, and I don't remember exactly what the spot was. Uh, something happened, and I didn't even realize how into the match I was until it happened, and I set up, and I was like, get up, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I haven't done that in years. Uh probably since damn near two decades because you know anybody has listened to our show before uh has probably heard me say something about how around the time wcw folded just before that i kind of checked out of wrestling yeah. and, and i'm still not heavy back into it but man this stuff is really it's really it's really helping and it was i can't remember what the moment was i got the that short up there match had me hooked so, um, report right there. Just click on it. The draw was cool, but it was kind of disappointing. I'm looking for the stupid link. I got 10 tabs here. I got to close these other stories out. <laughs> um, it was good. It was Tanahashi. I watched him earlier this year. What was the show? It would have been ROH. Was it Ring of Honor? Yeah, that was a Ring of Honor match. That was the first time. I mean, I was aware of Tanahashi, but I didn't. 
I didn't understand just just how good this guy can be. And these two complimented each other. And I mean, it was just this was the this is probably the the moment that I really feel myself falling back into pro wrestling big time. This makes me want to go to Wrestling Observer or get on Google and and see all this stuff. I mean, yeah, seeing the nostalgic part of the NWA stuff this last year has been pretty cool, but um, nothing like nothing like what this night did. These three matches that I watched this night, um, they really kind of lit the fire a little bit. So, what was your take on the match? Well, I mean, I knew Okada versus Tanahashi was going to deliver. They always give at least a four or four and a half star match. So I knew I knew Okada wasn't going to win it because he's the champion. I was, but well. Eh. Tanahashi could have had a chance to go, but I really didn't think they were going to do Tanahashi versus Okada again at the Tokyo Dome. But the match was great. Uh, certainly didn't want fucking Goto to win. I like Goto. But they definitely had one of their – it built slow, and then it just kept building and building and building matches. Earlier in the year, Tanahashi fucked his shoulder up, but you couldn't really tell. And he was out for like a month, month or two months. I forgot how old Tanahashi is. I think he's 38, 39. Okada's 20. Yeah, he's, a, he's a little older. Okada's 29, I think. Does this remember, Scott? Okada was in TNA, and they, they made him Okato. Fucking TNA. WWE did not, did not want Okada until they knew he was tall. Until they knew he was tall. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want this guy. Look at him. He's, oh, wait, he's tall. Ah, oh, fucking WWE. So, yeah. Uh, the the finish, um, Tanahashi hit a reverse sling blade, then a high five flow. He went for another, but Okada got the knees up. Okada tried a tombstone, but Tanahashi reversed it, nailed him, went for the high five flow. Okada nailed him with the drop kick. Uh, Tanahashi hit him with two high fly flows. Okada kicked out of at three, and right there was when the bell ring ended the match as a draw. Since neither got the two points they needed to advance, and with Hiroki Goto at 12 points, Goto is the winner of the A block. And then that set up. The match eight thirteen, Kenny Omega, the cleaner versus Naito. All right, Scott, how do you feel about this fucking match? Okay, I've got a lot of opinions in this match. 
Um, Kenny Omega, Mr. Funny Man, who decided yeah, that he was going to be fucking dead serious. Kenny Omega is a guy that I've seen do a few spots, uh, promos, come out and beat people up. But I haven't. I can't, I'm trying to think. Have I watched him wrestle yeah. other than these two nights any other time? I think you've seen him a couple times on uh, New Japan. With I think some, he's been with, bits and pieces. Yeah, with the Young Bucks. You've seen him a couple of times. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay, this guy's interesting, but what's he got? And now I know. <laughs> he is amazing. Um, yeah, you've seen him work Michael Elgin. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it was Elgin. The ladder match. The ladder match. That was a pretty good match. Um, wasn't the greatest, but it was pretty good. But anyways, um, Kenny Omega, uh, one of the things they did was they did the injury thing, and it was just like, wasn't it like the week before they did that same kind of drama with Kenny Omega? Who was it he wrestled before? May not have been the week before, but it basically had the same drama in two matches in a close time frame. But I might have been watching something you sent me too that actually wasn't close to this time frame. But anyways, that you're not jumping on it, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, as far as like the big spots that they did, they had the body slam on the apron. That looked pretty bad. And one of the things that I took from that is I, I think that they're playing with fire on that apron. Yeah. That, that does not spring like the rest of the mat. They're going to fucking blow a disc out on somebody, fracture a vertebrae, something, or break someone's fucking neck. I do not like – they're cool looking, but I don't like the apron spots when I think about, damn, are these guys going to get hurt? I think their chances of injury are high. I might be wrong, but you're going to fuck somebody's back or shoulder or neck up. WWE's doing that shit too. I saw that with Cena and Styles. Um, Cena's a big dude to be tossing like that. Um, Powerball over the rail onto the table was pretty badass. Uh, <laughs> it was just like, holy shit. Um, here I am talking about they should be safe, and then they're flying <laughs> over rails. But anyways, um, there was another time where they did a, a jump over the rail, and it was a complete bust. that He whiffed it. Um, again, then he he almost broke his ankle or his leg. It was like I'm thinking if it had been an inch to the left or an inch to the right, he would have had a serious injury. Yeah. Um, the DDT by Naito brought back memories from <laughs> 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 high school when I got DDT'd for real on a basketball court or on a hardwood floor in a gym. Um, you up on the stage and you got DDT. Yeah, up on the stage, screwing around with one of my friends and got destroyed. Uh, yeah, that was. Good Lord. Um, Good DDT. Yeah. The stiff elbows. The elbow spots, I mean, I appreciate and all, but it's like they are such a big part of every single match here. If there was one thing that I do not really care for out of, out of New Japan is the elbows. I don't mind to see them a little bit, but everybody just stands and elbow and elbow and elbow. Elbow strikes before yeah. them. Yeah, but on this one, that was a pretty good – they did a good job with it. There was a lot of impact. There was a lot of drama with it, so it didn't bother me too bad. There was a knee bar counter. I want to say it was off the um, Omega Finisher. Was it Fallen Angel? One-winged one Angel. One-winged one Angel. Yeah, and I'm trying to think 
I think that's what it was off from. And the Aito did a sweet transition into a knee bar, and it was pretty sweet. I'm thinking that was a technique he did it off from. I just remember specifically the knee bar was like kaboom. And we've talked about MMA moves in pro wrestling. This is one. This is how you make those look right. Because she does probably the best at it. But yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it was just a fantastic match. I, I, it's four and a half stars for me. Yeah, the the finish was uh, had four minutes left. Omega hit a knee strike, and after a failed attempt at one winged angel, he finally nailed it and pinned Naito to advance to the finals. Yeah, it was a good match. Yeah, a lot of drama, a lot of spit. <laughs> a lot of spit flying. Yeah. The crowd got behind. It's kind of split for the most part. You had a lot of Los Ingenobles fans and a lot of Bullet Club fans. And that set up Goto versus Kenny Omega. Before that, though, you had one hell of a match with uh, New Japan. The old fucks of New Japan and Shibata versus the young guys of... Pro Wrestling Noah. Holy shit. We're going to talk about that next week because Scott has to watch it. Shibata did a fucking head bunt from hell. All right. Uh, In the match of Goto's life versus Kenny Omega, Scott... Okay, well, we got a big pause here. I'm I'm reading this. I'm going to have to edit this little bit out, but, man, I'm drawing a fucking blank on this one. This was when uh, Kenny Omega became the first Canadian, though technically he was born in the U.S. Well, actually, uh, according to this, Omega became the first Canadian in North American technically... Chono was born in the U.S., but he's really Japanese to win the G1, the one wing angle. Ang- God damn it. Ang- I think of Kurt Angle. Ang- angel. You, you review this match primarily. The only thing that I can remember when I'm looking at this is the choke, fall off the top rope, and didn't Omega almost break his fucking neck doing that one? <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, well, the story is. Um, Omega battled back from two bad knees, but still did everything, and then some. Goto had him choke with Goto on his back. He climbed the top rope and fell backwards off the top rope to break the choke. Yeah, but when he did it, he like turned over in midair, like he went, like it, like it was off a little bit. And I remember, what he, I thought for. Fuck, that dude's neck just got fucking broke. I was like, Paul didn't tell me about this. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to see the fucking screen go black, something. And no, he laid there for a little bit. But yeah, that's that's really all I can remember. Um, we're just going to read. This is Joseph. Uh, yeah, just do a rundown of Joseph it. And- Curry's report from Wrestling Observer. Um, Omega was really the star... From start to finish, he did all kinds of incredible moves that he'd normally do from fast dragon suplexes and such. A huge spot was Goto had him in the choke, and with Goto on his back, he climbed to the top rope and fell backwards from the top rope to break the choke. 
He started doing big moves of his friends. He turned on, and like the like the Rast Ride Powerbomb and Phoenix Splash of Kota Ibushi, and the Bloody Sunday DDT and Styles Class of AJ Styles. He also kicked out of all of Goto's finishers except the GTR, which he blocked twice, which also made the match and the crowd. The crowd cheered both men throughout, switching back and forth at different times. But, of course, at the end, he uh, tried to do, he did, I guess, like we said, he did um, Finn Balor's Sunday Bloody Sunday. Finn Balor was the original leader of the Bullet Club. That didn't work. Then he did AJ Styles' Styles Clash, who was the second leader of the Bullet Club. That didn't work. And then he did the One-Winged Angel course he is now the leader of the bullet club and that of course put goto away and he became the first westerner to win the g1 and now kenny omega is the winner of the g1 and he will go on to face unless some bullshit happens okada at the Tokyo Dome in Japan next January. Can't wait. Yeah, I thought I thought when he broke the choke off the top rope, I thought for sure he was going to break his neck. He, he he landed awkward, but oh well. It was a good match. And of course, he will not wave the G1 flag at the end when he was cutting the promo like you're supposed to do. He waved the Bullet Club flag. So, when they say he's gonna take an H bomb and go to sleep on the flight <laughs> in Japan, <laughs> really, dude? Oh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, these were uh, last the the last three matches were some of the best wrestling you're going to see, though. Yeah, they were they were great. Now, after this, uh, during this time period, you had uh, NXT TakeOver and SummerSlam. Uh, You also had Ring of Honor uh, Death Before Dishonor. We will talk about Ring of Honor next week when Scott watches it. So we are going to talk about Well, we're not going to talk about takeover. I'll let Scott watch that too. Okay, so we're going to talk about SummerSlam. Uh AJ versus John Cena. Scott, what do you think of that match? Man, that's that was a pretty damn good match. That was uh, they did one of them apron spots <laughs> with okay. John Cena's big ass, but um, AJ Styles. I mean, he, he just he looks like a cruiserweight out there. I mean, he probably really is. Um, oh, when you're working John Cena, everybody looks like a cruiserweight. Yeah, that's the other thing to think about. John Cena is a big, big guy. Yeah, they they were back and forth. 
John Cena still moves really well, considering his age. Not like he's like ninety or anything, but I mean, he's thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Some, some of the yeah, some of the reversals, some of the spots he does, it just it surprises me. Uh, especially as big as he is, but I know he he's very serious about his physical condition and stuff, lifting weights, being flexible, and all that. So, you know, he approaches everything only, pretty much the same way. We can only hope in t- two years' time we can look like John Cena. Yeah, no doubt. Um, but yeah, John Cena. Uh, I mean, AJ Styles to me was the was ahead of him as far as who was driving the match, but. Cena had his hand on the wheels for sure. He yeah. was he was really really good. Styles was a hair above in my opinion, but that's not really to be critical of John Cena. Um, I know people match. sick of the character, but watching him wrestle, guy can fucking wrestle. Big match situations, John Cena always pulls it out. Yeah, and he did not disappoint. That was a very very good match. Um, the clean finish surprised me. Well, John Cena's getting ready to go again. He's going to go and film American Grit or some bullshit like that. So, yeah, yeah. but it still surprised me. I didn't know that, but um, why not push AJ Styles, right? Yeah. Well, the Money in the Bank, AJ won that match. He cheated, but he he won that match. The last pay per view, they were in a six man. Cena got the win over AJ, and so this puts AJ over in the feud. So there you go. That's WWE booking. Yeah. Um, then, if you watch one match from this SummerSlam, watch Cena and Styles. You can skip everything else. Then the other, I guess, the big takeaway from that show. Other than what we're going to talk about is uh, the controversy. I mean, if you want to see the controversy, you can watch that. But the match was fucking terrible. Otherwise, well, the, well, the other, well, well, no, well, I was going to say that some people might be interested. Is that uh, Sasha dropped the the belt to uh, Charlotte because her back was fucked up, so she had a she has to leave for a while. All right. Now, on to Brock versus Randy Orton. Uh, the match itself was... You know what? All the, one, one fucking star. All, all the suplex cities, they were very safe because Randy's got some back issues or neck issues or whatever it is. So they were very safe suplexes. He wasn't suplexing them like he normally would. And uh, the end of the match was, well, I'm going to take my gloves off. I'm going to ground and pound his ass. And since the sponsors believe it's barbaric to use a blade, I have to hard weigh this fucker. So I'm going to take my 258-pound frame and elbow him across the fucking head and bash his skull in until he's bleeding. And then we're going to have a TKO finish. Scott, what's more barbaric? Using a razor blade to slice your forehead open that will heal within, what? Five or days. Six, yeah, five or six days. 
if you don't fuck with it or bashing somebody in the fucking skull with your elbow permanently which scarring be, which which yeah which also could possibly if you fuck up give you a concussion here's here's the thing a lot of people this is it's funny that I'm going to take this stance on this match i thought this was a one star match before the fucking finish i'm sorry this fucking match was trash Brock Lesnar is a fucking joke to watch. He does fucking suplexes over and over. Who the fuck is entertained by that? Go outside and take a breath. <laughs> you need oxygen in your brain, apparently. This guy, they are... Uh, I don't blame Brock. If they're going to let him go in there and work like he's working and pay him all kinds of money, fuck yeah, Brock Lesnar. You are fucking genius, dude. But as a... As as the bookers, you got what the fuck is wrong with them? Why do they allow this? Why do they not want to be more creative than this? There's nothing memorable about Brock's wrestling. Nothing memorable about this is the fucking is the elbow at the end. Um, but anyways, the the stance I'm gonna take on it. Back in the day, a lot of people were like, "Oh, oh UFC so brutal because people are bleeding." And I would always say, "Well, actually the skin is really thin on the forehead, so someone getting hit there, it looks much worse than it is." And a lot of times that was true, but when you're in a full mount position, even trying to control yourself, you're still able to generate quite a bit of force. Okay, he has to hit hard enough to split the skin if this was by design, which I think it was. It was. Yeah. And you know, I've seen some conspiracy theory bullshit, but I really think this is just a terrible, terrible idea by WWE. So, but you put a guy who weighed 258 in his last fight when he was down in water weight, which means he's probably rocking about 280 pounds, 285 pounds actually today walking around. Um, and he elbows a guy that's had concussions, neck injuries, back injuries <laughs> in the fucking head from that position. You're not taking care of your wrestler. Period. I mean, I, you know, I, I, and I'm starting to get curious. At what point did the other guys say, you know, this is fucking stupid. This is retarded. This guy is going out here just suplexing, making millions, and now they're having him fucking intentionally cut people with his elbow. There's not a, the level of control that you have with a razor blade versus an elbow. To me, the guy has a corner of a razor blade in his tape and he fucking drags it across his head. There's not much potential for injury unless he sticks it in his fucking eye, minus the little laceration. But this fucking big donkey hitting him in the fucking skull and causing 10 staples, that's, that's not kayfabe. That's for real. Yeah, it may have been dialed back so that it didn't break his skull or give him a concussion or whatever. He still could have got concussion out of this very easily. Yeah. This yeah. is not smart. This is this is terrible. And Randy Orton's a big fucking name. And he you just know, came he, back from fucking shoulder surgery. And now you're doing this your first night back where you could possibly get a concussion if you fucked up and popped him one good one with his elbow. Yeah, I mean, Brock taps him once. And I think that's Brock kind of gauging what he needs to do. Like, it's like, a, okay, here, okay, I think I need to bring this much to do the next part. You know, I'm not really, I'm not holding this against Brock Lesnar or. No, Randy Brock Orton. did what they told him to do. Yeah, I mean, other than them being, other than them being stupid enough to agree to it, but 
Man, you, I just don't see how they're taking care of the wrestlers' health at this point. I, wrestling is bad enough as far as injuries and impacts goes. You know, it's like being a 35-mile-an-hour car crash every time they hit that fucking mat. But this was just stupid. Speaking of stupid idiots, <laughs> well, I'm just going to read this verbatim. This is from uh, Dave Meltzer wrote this up. The ending of the Randy Orton versus Brock Lesnar SummerSlam match, which went pretty much as planned, led to a verbal and somewhat physical confrontation between Lesnar and Chris Jericho last night. According to multiple sources, Jericho came to the gorilla position just as the match ended, apparently to see if Orton was okay and to find out what exactly happened. He asked Michael Hayes what the finish was or if it was the finish. Hayes couldn't answer him, at which point Jericho said, that's bullshit. Jericho said that was just Jericho said that just as Lesnar came back from the ring. Lesnar thought he was talking about his match and called Jericho a pussy, according to one version, or shut up, according to another, and to mind his own business. The two got face to face and started exchanging words, with one version saying they were shouting at each other the whole time. Lesnar pushed Jericho with his fingers, and Jericho did what was described as the Rousey Tate forehead push uh, press. One version also had Jericho shoving Lesnar to the wall at one point. They got tangled up against the wall, and Lesnar told Jericho to punch him or kiss him. Paul Triple H Levesque jumped in and quickly broke it up. It was heated enough that they went back at it again, which, at which time Vince McMahon broke it up. Jericho started yelling about Lesnar, and McMahon told Jericho that it was all work and to be professional. Levesque reportedly told McMahon that Lesnar started it and Jericho was just standing up for himself, but there were more words exchanged. Jericho saw Orton and got mad, which everyone noted was because he was very concerned with Orton's health and safety. Orton reportedly asserted him that he knew that everything was coming. It doesn't mean it was safe. Yeah. <laughs> it does not mean it was safer in his best interest. I mean, if he if he agrees with that decision, that's on him. But he can't lie to himself and act like that was a safe decision. It was not. And then uh, after this, uh, Melcher said something along the lines that Brock said a bunch of words that would probably get him in trouble if it got out. So... Oh lordy! I guess he probably. But nah, he probably called him a faggot because he he said that. That's I, I don't mean like to say racial. That's what I meant to say was homophobia. Yeah. <laughs> so. So I say that's what that was. Oh yeah, I'd bet money. But uh. I think I'm starting to wonder. And then Jericho probably called him a stupid idiot. He's, he said, what did you call me? Is WWE <laughs> turning, ring jacket. Has WWE turned a corner in their product? In, in what way? That they're not, we, they don't care about their workers anymore? Well, we know that's true. That's, that's been like that for a long time. But are we entering a new era? with their decision-making. I mean, look at, you had the Hulk Hogan era. Then you had the raw area. The raw is war era. This is my take. I'm sure the wrestling 
I mean, they're calling fanatics this, have got it broken down way better than I am. Well, well, they had the attitude this, era. They're calling this the new era, but and then you had the PG era. Well, is this the, the end of the PG era? Well, they called this the re, well before this. The, the, they didn't. They didn't call it the PG era. They called it the reality era. They're calling this the new era. Yeah, well, the PG era still fits. <laughs> yeah. Well, was fucking PG about bashing somebody in the skull with your fucking elbow? Yeah. I mean, are they – I I think that they might be turning the corner with their product. You're seeing – I I mean, how common are apron bumps in WWE? It's starting to pick up. That's my take on the limited amount of matches I've watched this year. It's picking up. Um, they're, they're stealing this from Ring of Honor in New Japan. Yeah. They're maybe they're starting to feel a little bit of heat. And after this match, of course, you had Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins. You have a new Universal Champion, which, by the way, the belt looks just like the world title, and but the leather strap is red. And um, <clears throat> the new champion is Finn Balor. And during the match, he took a. I it was a it was the same bump that Sting took to the turnbuckle that ended his career, but it was done on the barricade outside. Everybody remembers that bump Sting took, right? Yeah. Well, it was done by Seth Rollins to Finn Balor. And that bump fucked up. Finn Balor's shoulder. So the very next night on Raw, guess what? He had to give up the fucking belt. So now he is gone for six months. So let's review real quick. He broke John Cena's nose. He ended Sting's career, and he fucked up Finn Balor's shoulder. I think it's safe to say now that Seth Rollins is not a safe worker. So, Scott, if you were in WWE, would you work Seth Rollins? No. All right. So you got five choices if you were in WWE. I would tell Vince McMahon, I'm not working Seth Rollins. You send him to SmackDown. You send me to SmackDown. You fire Seth Rollins, or I'm going to New Japan and ROH. That's it. I don't... Seriously, how can you... I mean, that's three fucking guys. Three of your top guys. I don't... I, yeah, the guy... Brett Seth Hart Rollins, was right. This guy is not safe. The, a year ago... fucking killed John Cena with that damn knee strike to the nose. If it would have went the other way instead of crooked, it went straight up, you could have fucking killed him. Yeah, a year ago, Seth Rollins was like the guy on my radar. I was like, I think this is the guy I might be able to attach myself to. I can't do that. Because I have no fucking respect for him. Now. Fucking too many injuries, man. I mean, shit. I remember how long was I hyped about Sting? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Damn it. But anyways, yeah. I mean, yeah. Until Seth Rollins ended his Rollins. career. Yeah, ended his career. So, gosh, dang! I just saw a, an apron bump on this. That was ridiculous. It's on WWE Network. Doing it. So it's one. Of the, it's actually one of the hardest re- a- apron bumps I think I've ever seen. Uh, Gargano versus Perkins. Yeah, 
was shared on their Twitter. Wow, that looked painful. So, anyways, which I I, I think New Japan's playing with fire too when it comes to the apron bumps, but they're not freaking dropping elbows in people's faces like, Meh. like from that position. I mean, I know they can have some the headbutts and things like that, but this is just wow. ECW didn't do that shit. It's the chair shots. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of ECW, the uh, Dudley boys are now done. On um, Monday Night Raw, they came out. They did not renew their contracts with WWE, so they are officially done now. Well, it's the end of a an era right there itself. 20 years, done. Um... Uh, let's just. Oh, and uh, Bailey uh, officially made her return. She's now full time on Raw. Uh, let's just go ahead and cover this here. Brock Lesnar gets temporary suspended from the Vatic Athletic Commission. Ooh, yeah, reduced sentencing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, does that jive with the suspensions of everybody else from the Nevada State Athletic Commission? I don't know. I'm not. I haven't looked it up, but I'm betting not. So there you go. I know one thing. UFC's probably like. I don't really like that Brock Lesnar bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, both products are benefiting, I guess, as far as what looks like a badass. But <laughs> that fucker shouldn't have thrown those elbows on Randy Orton. <laughs> We're just go ahead and suspend that fucker. What's Chris Jericho thinking, shoving, shoving Brock around? <laughs> it's not the first time he's done shit like that. He he took down Goldberg too. So let's yeah. give it up for Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, Brock Lesnar just took on Mark Hunt. That's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> you take on Mark Hunt and win, you're a bad motherfucker. I don't care what Mark Hunt's record in UFC is. Well, he's, a, he's a striker to the fucking core. That's just all there is to it. And then Jericho's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, Brock Lesnar beats that guy. Yeah. You're playing with fire. Yeah. So. Okay, so. Hour and a half, we did a good job tonight. I'm going to have a difficult time editing this shit. It won't fuck up on me. So, uh, next week we will catch up on uh, TakeOver and ROH. So, good times. There will be no no Man's Sky. I fucking guarantee that. So, uh, that's it. Goodbye, people. Unless there's something else. No movies or anything coming out that I know of that we're going to be watching. So, Scott. Anything real quick people should play? Anything they should play? Yeah. Batman, play Um, that. Yeah, you can play that, but if you have a Sega Genesis or you're not scared to emulate, um, Rocket Knight Adventures is a Konami-produced or Konami-developed platformer, and it is fucking amazing. It's the best use of color I think I've seen on a Genesis game outside of the Sonic series. Uh, the music, if you've played Contra Hardcore, you're going to be extremely familiar with the music. I'm pretty sure it's the exact same composer. I haven't looked his name up, but you can tell when you listen to it. Um, the boss design, I would say most of the same programmers worked on this game. 
It's one of the best Genesis games I've ever played. In fact, it's one of it's probably one of the it's it's starting to climb up there really quick uh, on my list of retro games that I like. This is I mean, this is a special game. The the it's 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 check it out tonight. Very very good. Um, if you were a collector, you can get a copy with a manual and box on eBay, twenty five to thirty bucks. All so, right, Rocket Knight Adventures. Is it on PlayStation Store? No, I don't think so. All the right. uh, basic core, just quick here on the core gameplay. Clearly, you're going to progress left to right and get through the levels. Um, but you got a little rocket pack and you got a sword. And your sword shoots out a little projectile about maybe a third of the distance of the width of the screen. And your rocket pack, you can charge it up by holding down the C button. And whatever direction you put your directional pad in when you release that C button, you do a rocket attack. And you go flying through the sky with your sword out in front of you. And it's your most powerful attack. Uh, well, I'll get to that in a second. It's supposed to be your most powerful attack. But it also lets you bounce and ricochet in hallways to get to areas. And there's all kinds of different gameplay elements. Like it shifts you in and out from behind a waterfall to do the platforming and boss fight. It uh, There's the fire that chases you. You got the transforming bosses with multiple stages you have to defeat, just like Contra Hardcore. Um, the game gets extremely difficult by the third level, fourth level. Well, by the fourth level, it starts to get pretty hard. Um, which is all the further I've made it so far. Uh, the sword, if you get close to an enemy and you actually hit them with the melee range, the actual graphic of the sword passes through them, it seems like you, you land multiple strikes with one swing. And you can burn some of the bosses down pretty quick with that, but it doesn't make it any easier because <laughs> it's a very limited range. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 Rocket Knight Adventures in a nutshell. You can hang off of the tail. He's a possum is what he is with armor and stuff. I'm telling you, one of the best Genesis games I've played. Okay, Definitely they just have the 2010 Rocket Knight, not Rocket Knight Adventures. It's on PlayStation. So, check it out. And if you're in comics, read Injustice. Yep. Season 5 or whatever is up. Okay. That's it. Goodbye. <laughs>